Well, hello, Thrive Church. Isn't God good? Man, we serve a God who is so good, a God who restores, a God who heals, and I am just so happy to have you here with us at Thrive Church. I'm Judah, pastor here at Thrive Church, and we welcome you uh, at all of our locations, Terryville, Torrington, New Britain, and online. We are so glad to have you here, and we are in our series, Restored, and, and God you know, he specializes in restoration. He specializes in restoring things that are broken and restoring lives that are broken. And, uh, you know, today I, I, I'm wondering if you've ever uh, betrayed someone before. Don't raise your hand. I mean, I mean, we're getting heavy really quick here. Have you ever betrayed somebody before? You're like, wait a minute. This, this is not going a good direction. You know, let, let's spin it around a little bit. Has anybody, don't, don't raise your hand on this either, because you might be sitting next to them. Has anybody ever betrayed you before, right? Like, like, has anybody ever betrayed you? Like, that's a bad feeling, isn't it? When somebody betrays you. And it's not much better when we betray somebody. If you, you know, hurt somebody that you are close to, it's not easy to trust someone after they've betrayed you, is it? If they've done something wrong to you, if they've done something to hurt you, to betray your trust, you said, I thought you were my friend, and then you went and, and did this without me. I thought you were my friend, and, and we were going to go get ice cream together, but you did it without me. You betrayed me. You know, that hurts when somebody betrays us like that. Imagine, imagine denying that you even know somebody. Like somebody that, that you're close to. Imagine just being like, you know, you, you're, you're dead to me. Like, like you disown them. Like, like I am denying that I even know you, that I've even ever been in your presence before. And that's exactly what the guy we're talking about today did. Peter, Peter, surely you've heard about Peter. Peter was one of Jesus' closest followers, but, but yet he denied even knowing Jesus. But the, the reason why we're talking about this is because God is a God of, of restoration, isn't he? He's a God that loves to restore, that loves to, to bring things back together again. In your notes, if you're taking them, anyone can be restored through God's power. Anyone can be restored through God's power. Turn to somebody near you and say, that means you too, you know? It's like anybody can be restored. That means me. That means you. That means all of us can be restored through God's power. Peter was a disciple. He was a follower of Jesus. Not only was he a, a disciple or a follower of Jesus, one of the 12, he was one of the, the three closest uh, disciples that Jesus had. Jesus was very, very close to Peter. In fact, in fact, one time, you know, uh, Jesus essentially said, Peter, I'm going to use you to help to start this church. You're going to kind of be the, the leader of the pack here. And, and Peter, you know, was all about it. But, but Peter was kind of bold, and he was kind of brash. Like, like he, 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 wasn't very, he wasn't very calculated, you know. I mean, may, maybe you're like that. You're like impulsive. Any impulsive people here? Oh, a couple of impulsive Anybody here like, I am not impulsive at all. You're like, I'm not even going to raise my hand. That's how unimpulsive I am. I got to think about things. Peter was, was impulsive. You know, he was impulsive. He was not a planner. Some people are like, like the, 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 the plan, the work, and work, the plan, right? That's not what Peter was. Peter was like, if it feels good, do it. If it crosses my mind, I'm going for it. He was, he was impulsive. Have you ever done anything impulsive before? Anybody? Okay, a couple of you. 
Some of you are like, this is the most impulsive thing I've done this year is raising my hand in church today. You know, maybe, maybe you're, uh, you're up late for whatever reason. You decide to turn on the TV, right? And there's an infomercial there. And, and, and you don't want a spiralizer, right? You have no interest in this. But 27 minutes in, you're like, holy cow. How could I ever live without this? And for only three easy payments of 19.95, you know, we make this impulsive thing. Or, or you go to a fair. You know, you go to the, the, the Big E or one of these big fairs, and they got these vendors. They're like, step right up. Let me, let me show you this, this new, you know, set of knives that can cut through bricks. I don't know when I've ever wanted to cut through a brick with a bread knife before, but they can do that, apparently. So says the salesman at the Big E. And then we, we, we impulsively buy, like, you got to buy it now. You come back tomorrow, the sale isn't going to be there anymore. Maybe you've been impulsive in, in a relationship or, or impulsive with a, with a move or a, or a career path. You know, I, I've, I've, you know, normally I'm not very impulsive, but I have had some impulsive moments. One of them was, was years ago. Um, eBay. eBay brings out the worst in people. You know, when it comes to impulsive, like, like nowadays, everything is buy it now. But like, like back then, like the majority of things were auction, right? And so, so as it gets near the wire, you're like, do I really want this? And how high will I go? And then you bid it, you get out, bid it, like, well, now how high will I go? And, uh, and I did that with a bicycle, and, uh, and I was out there, and I was bidding on it, bidding on it. Before I knew it, I spent like $1,000 on this bike, and I'm like, I got to tell my wife about this now. <laughs> you know, impulsive, impulsive. We do impulsive things sometimes. Peter was impulsive. Peter, Peter saw Jesus in the middle of the night on the stormy sea, Jesus walking on the water, and Peter's like, hey, you creepy guy walking on the water. If that's you, Jesus, just say the word, and I'm going to come out there and walk with you. Like, this is impulsive. Like, normal people don't do that. The, the other disciples, they're like, no, we're staying in the boat. We're good. We're good just watching the show. Peter jumps out. He was impulsive. There was another time where, where Jesus said to, to his followers, who do people say that I am? And they're like, well, they say that you're a prophet. So, well, who do you say I am? Peter's like, you're the Messiah. They're like, whoa, you just, you just went for it, didn't you, Peter? You just said it. Everybody was thinking it, but... He just said it. Then Jesus would say, like, you know what? I'm going to go, and, and, and I'm going to get handed over, and I'm going to cru be, be crucified and killed. And Peter's like, no, you're not. Like, like over my dead body, no, you aren't. And, and Jesus is like, hey, get behind me, Satan. And it's like, like Peter was impulsive. The Last Supper, the last meal before Jesus died, they're all gathered together. They're, they're coming to have this, this Passover meal together. And, and Jesus assumes the role of a servant. And he's washing the feet of his disciples as, as this act of service. And Peter's like, no way are you washing my feet, Jesus. Like, like, you are my teacher. You're not washing my feet. And Jesus is like, well, if I don't wash your feet, then you can't have anything to do with me. And Peter's like, okay, then let, let's just take it all off. Let's give me a bath then. And Jesus is like, hold on, Peter. <laughs> like, we're not giving out baths here. It's just for the feet. That's all that's dirty right now, okay? He was impulsive. He just said crazy things. Right after that, they're having their Passover meal, concluding it in Matthew 26, 31. Now they're leaving to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus will soon be arrested and crucified. And on the way there, it says in verse 31, Tonight, all of you, he's saying this to his disciples, his closest friends, Tonight, all of you will desert me. For Jesus says, God will strike the shepherd. And the sheep of the flock will be scattered. 
But after I've been raised from the dead, I'll go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. It's like, hold on a second. Like, after you raised from the dead, like, this is crazy talk. They don't even know what to make of what he's saying. He's like, after I raised from the dead, you guys go on to Galilee and I'll catch up. Underline, underline that word Galilee, though. We're going to come back to that. He says, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. And then Peter, Peter declared, even if everyone else, even if all these other goons desert you, Jesus, I will never desert you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples, they vowed the same. It's like, Jesus, you're wrong. Jesus, Messiah, Son of God, knower of all things, you are wrong. <laughs> I will never deny you. I got your back. I got your back, Jesus. He had good intentions, but unfortunately, he didn't have the fortitude to actually carry this out. Like, like he, he's impulsive. He's like, I'm not going to desert you. So they go into the garden, and, and the guards surround Jesus. They're getting ready to arrest him. And Peter's like, we're going to fight to the death, right? So he whips out his sword. Scripture says he whips out his sword and he hacks off a guy's ear. And, and you think about that for a moment. Like, like how, did you, how do you cut off a guy's ear? It's like, can you hold still, you know? And, and then I'm thinking, I'm like, like, he wasn't trying to hack off this guy's ear. He was trying to hack off the guy's head. And, and, and my guess is he, he's like, he's swinging the sword. And the guy's like, what? And he ducks. And then whoop, there goes his ear. Jesus grabs the ear, heals the man, puts the ear back on, heals the man, and then they all must be like, oh, well, now what? Do we still arrest him? <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, that's what we're going to Hey, thanks for the ear. Uh, you're under arrest. I mean, this must have been really, really strange times. But, but Peter, like, he, he's just going to start hacking people to pieces. Jesus like, put your sword away, Peter. So Jesus is arrested. Peter follows him. They come to the high priest's house. John knows the high priest, so he gets in the courtyard tells him to let Peter in. Peter comes in. The attendant at the door says, you're not one of Jesus' disciples, are you? Peter's like, no, 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 no. I'm not one of his disciples. They go and they build a, a fire out of charcoal. It's a cold night. They're all gathered around the, this charcoal fire. They're warming themselves. Some of the people around the fire say, you know what, I, I think you're one of his disciples, aren't you? He's like, no, I'm not one of his disciples. Another one who happened to be a relative of the guy who had his ear hacked off. He's like, no, I saw you, and you hacked off my cousin's ear. You are one of Jesus' disciples. And Peter's like, damn it, I don't know him. He starts swearing. Some of you are like, oh, my goodness, is that okay to say in church? It's in the Bible, okay, so... He's like, I don't know him. So he starts calling down curses on himself. He says, I don't know him. I don't know him. I've never even met the man. I've never seen him before in my life. Leave me alone. And at that moment, Peter's world came crashing down. And he hears a rooster crow. And he realizes that he denied even knowing Jesus three times. Imagine, imagine doing that. Imagine denying somebody like that. Imagine denying even knowing your parent. Imagine de denying your, 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 that you even knew your best friend or your sibling or, or your spouse. I mean, that's one thing. But imagine denying the Messiah. Man, this is heavy stuff. Peter's like, I don't even know him. And then shortly thereafter, Jesus was crucified. 
Peter must have been kicking himself. How could I have done this? How could I have done this? If only I hadn't betrayed him, maybe I could have done something. Maybe I could have helped some way. I don't know. But, but when he needed me the most, I abandoned him. And surely, the, you know, he knew this. Some of the last things that he knew before he died was the fact that I denied even knowing him. I mean, of course he knew. He predicted that I would do it, and then I went and did it. Peter is devastated. Have you ever denied the Lord? Like, like maybe not in the same way. But if you've, if you've been following Christ for any amount of time, you've probably had opportunities. Maybe to, to not stand up for God in a situation, or, or maybe to deny your faith. Somebody's asking about your faith, and you just kind of downplay it a little bit. Like, I don't really want well, really to talk about it. I don't want to think that I'm some kind of freak, some kind of religious nut, some kind of you know, you know, like conservative weirdo. Like, I don't want them to think that, that, that I'm really into the Bible. I don't really want them to think anything bad about me. So I'm just going to kind of kind of play it down a little bit. I'm not going to you know, make a big deal about it. And we deny God with our words, with our actions. That's what Peter did. He denied God. You know, we don't want people to judge us. And in that moment, Peter cared more about what a servant thought than what about Jesus thought about him. He cared more about what that servant thought than, than the Messiah, the Savior of the world. He's like, you servant, I care more about what you think. In your notes, God's opinion should matter more than the opinion of others. God's opinion should matter more to me than the opinion of the other people in my life and in my world. So that I'm not denying Jesus. So Jesus dies on the cross. Three days later, miraculously, he rises from the grave. He's alive. He's risen with resurrection power. And Peter is one of the first people to see the empty tomb. He runs there. They see the tomb that is empty, but then he kind of he hesitates. What's going through his mind at this moment? Like, like, like he's alive, I guess, like he said, but, oh, man. I denied even knowing him. Like, even if he is alive, I'm the last person on earth that he wants to see. Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene in Mark chapter 16, verse 7. It says, now go and tell his disciples, including who? Peter. What does it say? Including who? Peter. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you, where? To Galilee, and you'll see him there, just as he told you before he died. Go tell the disciples, including Peter. Why do you think he said including Peter? Because I think by this time, Peter disqualified himself. I think Peter kind of tapped out by this time. Peter's like, wow, if Jesus really is alive, then he doesn't want to have anything to do with me. Because I heard Jesus say once before, whoever denies me, I'm going to deny them before my Father in heaven. And, and, and you know what, guys? You know what, other disciples? You know what, Andrew and James and John? It's been real, but I'm done. I'm out of here. And Mary's like, but, but Peter, wait. Jesus said he wants to meet the disciples. And Peter, but Peter must be thinking, but what I did was just too bad. I just can't be forgiven. I went too far. I didn't just run away. All you other disciples, you all ran away, but I didn't just run away in fear. I actually denied even knowing him. He saw the empty tomb, but, but it must have struck him. Would Jesus even want to see me? Probably not, he's thinking. 
But here's the, the good news. The good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ is this in your notes, that God wants us even when we feel undeserving. Even when I feel like I don't measure up, Jesus still wants us. He wants us in our family. There's nothing that we've done. There's no, nothing that we, we have done in our past. We're not too far gone. That God wants us in his family. But Peter is at an all-time low. So you know what he says? Hey, guys, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. Any fishermen here? Anybody like fishing? Okay, a few fishermen. Okay, fishing's great. It says here, verse 3, Simon Peter says, I'm going fishing. They're like, hey, well, we'll come too. They all said, so they all went out in the boat. But they caught nothing all night. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation before. But if you fish very much, you've probably been in a similar situation where you fish all day. I've done, I did this before. You know, I, went, I, I hired you know, a really expensive guide for me and my dad to go fly fishing. And, and we go, and we're spending this time, and we go out, and we catch nothing. It's like, wow. That was, that was, uh, it was a good experience, good memories, but we didn't catch a single thing. That's what Peter finds himself. But, but see, here's the thing that's interesting. When Peter says, let's go fishing, it's not like, you and me saying, let's go fishing, right? Like if I say, hey, let's go fishing, you're like, okay, yeah, let's go fishing. No, this is like, this is like an electrician saying, I'm going to go run some wires. This is like, like a, a plumber saying, I, I'm going to get some pipe and I'm going to plumb something, you know? This is like, like a landscaper saying, I'm going to go out and mow some lawns now. This is like, like somebody saying, I'm getting back to work. Peter's like, you know what, guys? It's been nice. I'm going fishing now. It's been nice. It's been fun. But I got to go make some money now. I got to get back to the real world. I'm going to go fishing. Must have felt like a failure because they go fishing on the very first night. He hasn't been fishing uh, in this way at least probably in about three years. And his very first night he catches nothing. It's like I can't even do this right. The one thing I'm good at is fishing and I can't even do that right. Verse 4. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. And he called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, I got an idea. Throw out your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll get some. I can't imagine, you know, I, mean, I can't help but imagine what these fishermen must be thinking. Like, it's the same water on both sides of the boat. Like, left side, we've been throwing it out on both sides all night, and we haven't caught anything. Try the right side. Like, right for you or right for us? Like, which right side here? And, and, and they're like, okay, whatever, we'll throw it out on the right side just to appease the crazy man on shore. They did it, and it says they couldn't haul in the net because there was so many fish in it. Then... The disciple Jesus loved. I always find this interesting. The disciple Jesus loved. See, this is the book of John, written by the apostle John, and he always refers to himself as the disciple Jesus loved, right? He's like, you know, his favorite. You know, it's like, like if you got siblings, you're like, you know, but I'm the favorite child. So John's like, the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on, he put on his tunic because he'd stripped for work, jumped in the water, and headed to shore. They must be like, okay, well, you can do it that way if you want to. The others stay with the boat, pull the loaded net to the shore, for they are only about 100 yards away from shore. So John must be like, you know, he's, he's like, I, I'm going to write this down because they must be, you know, they're paddling the boat. Like, there's Peter swimming. Like, hey, oh, you can do it. You got it. We're in the boat all nice and dry, but there you are. You know, you do you, Peter. And so he goes, Goes to shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire, and some bread. 
Where, where did this all happen? This happened on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus had said, I'm going to go after I rise, and I'm going to meet you in Galilee. And here they are in Galilee as promised. But you know what's interesting about this scenario is that he's actually recreating a scene from three years earlier. He's recreating a scene from three years earlier. And let me tell you what happened three years earlier. Jesus was preaching to a huge crowd of people on the banks of a Sea of Galilee. And they're crowding around and they're pressing in. And, and he's there and all these hundreds and maybe thousands of people are pressing around. And, and, and they can't see him and he's trying to talk but people are talking over him. So he sees two boats. And, and one of the boats has a guy. And the guy is cleaning out his nets because he spent the night fishing. And he goes up to this guy, and the guy's name is Peter, and he says, Peter, can I borrow your boat? Can we just push off from shore just a little bit so I can preach to these crowds, and they don't get so close that they can hear me better? Peter's like, sure, why not? He pushes out, and he preaches the sermon to the masses of people. After he finishes the sermon, everybody disperses. He looks to Peter and says, hey, Peter, let's go fishing. Peter's like, no, Jesus, you know, I'm not going fishing. I already was out all night fishing, and I didn't catch anything. And Jesus says, come on, Peter, let's go fishing. Peter's like, I know what fishing is like. I know how to fish. We don't fish in the middle of the day. There's no fish out there right now. Jesus is like, Peter, let's go fishing. Peter's like, fine, because you say so, not because I think this is a good idea. We're going to go fishing. They go out. They cast the nets out. The nets immediately fill full of fish. He has to call in other ships. The other ships come. They all start grabbing onto the net, and it starts to sink the ships. They finally get all the fish to the shore. Jesus says, come follow me. And Peter and Andrew and James and John, they immediately leave all of their boats, their nets, their fish, and they come and they follow Jesus Christ. Leaving it all behind, this is the last time we know of that Peter went fishing in this way. So they're out fishing. Jesus then sets up Peter as a leader of the twelve, the one who would help launch this new gathering. But now what? Now what Peter swims to shore, back to the present day, Peter swims to shore. Just a few days earlier, Peter denied even knowing Jesus, and now Jesus is right there. What, what do you say in that situation? Hey, uh, sorry I told everybody I didn't know you. Like, like this, is, this is an uncomfortable situation. He must be thinking, like, like I'm glad I see him, but, but how can I be used? Uh, imagine if you were Jesus. Imagine if somebody you loved and cared about Denied even knowing you, it's like, you know what, we'd probably write them off. You're like, you know what, I'm done here. So Jesus recreates this scene. They're out there, they don't catch any fish, then they catch the fish, they bring... He also recreates another scene. It's like a scene within a scene. You know what the second scene is? It says... That he's cooking the fish over a charcoal fire. The word charcoal fire there is only mentioned two times in scripture. The other time was when Peter was in the high priest's courtyard. And he's warming himself around a charcoal fire. And now Jesus has a charcoal fire right there. And he asks him three questions. See, Jesus wants to restore Peter. And Jesus is, is, is making this scenario. He's making this, this, this situation because he wants to bring restoration. Because in your notes, God not only forgives, but he also restores. See, see, many of us, like, like it's enough if God just forgives me. Peter, Peter wants to be like, you know what, maybe Jesus will at least forgive me. I'm sure I won't be very important anymore. He's not going to trust me anymore. But maybe he can forgive me. But God not only forgives, he also restores. Goes on in verse 15. After breakfast, Jesus asks Simon Peter. Simon? Son of John, do you love me more than these? 
Most people assume that, that he was pointing to the boats and the nets and the fish. He said, do you love me more than, more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. That word says, then feed my lambs. This is a pastoral command. He's saying, I want you to care for people. At the very beginning, Jesus says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. He's saying, I want you to continue that. I want you to care for the people that you come across. But he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, there's many Greek words that we translate the word love. This word right here is the word agape. Perhaps you've heard the word agape before. This is an unconditional love. This is the highest form of love. This is a love to the death that I love you regardless, unconditionally. I will do anything for you. And he says, Simon, do you agape me? And Peter says, you know I love you, but that word love there is a different word. The word that Peter uses is the word phileo, and that word is like brotherly love. It's where we get the, the name like Philadelphia, right? The city of brotherly love. It's like, it's like your bros, your, your buddies. It's like a friend, right? So Jesus is saying, Peter, do you love me more than anything else? And Peter says, yeah, I like you. It's like Jesus just got friend zone, right? It's like, like Jesus is coming. It's like, do you love me, Peter? Yeah, yeah, I like you. So then feed my lambs. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you agape, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I like you. You know I like you. Then take care of my sheep. And a third time he asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? But this time Jesus changed the word. He went to Peter's words. Do you, do you phileo me? Do you like me? And it says Peter was hurt. That Jesus asked the question a third time. It's like Jesus was saying, I want you to agape me, but, but, but I, I'm going to move to where you are right now. Because I realize that, that you're hurting right now, and you probably don't feel worthy right now. And I, and I realize that, that, that right now you're in a difficult spot, and Peter is hurt because he asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, then feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. See, Peter was struggling He's like, like I, I, I love you, but how can you love me in return? And Jesus ends this whole conversation by saying, Peter, then follow me. Follow me. Back the last time you were around a charcoal fire, and you were asked three questions, do you know Jesus? And you denied me three times, and now you're getting asked three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Then Peter, follow me. See, Peter failed, but in this moment, Jesus doesn't see the failure of Peter. He sees Peter for who he is, because the final thing in your notes, failure isn't a person, it's an event. See, you are not a failure just because you fail at something. You may fail at something, but that does not mean that you're a failure. And Peter surely did fail, but Jesus said, you're not a failure. In fact, the promise I gave you before, not only does it still stand, but it's stronger than ever before. Peter, I want you to feed my sheep. See, it would have been easy for Peter to hang his head on his failure. Many of us hang on to our failures saying, how could God use me? How could God love me? After all that I've done, after I've denied him, after I've, you know, said all kinds of bad things, after the life that I've lived, how could God use me? As if we need more of a sacrifice than Jesus dying on the cross. 
Like, that's the only sacrifice we need. Like, say, God, God, you know what? I've just done too much. Your sacrifice of Jesus isn't enough. No, his sacrifice is enough, and it will be enough, and it'll always be enough. And as a result, your past can end up being the greatest weapon against you, or it can be God's greatest tool in your life. See, your past, see, Peter, Peter, we all know about what Peter did here. We all know because he told people, he says, you know what? I denied Jesus. I, I denied even knowing him. But, but Peter was restored. You know how we know? Because the next time we see Peter, next time we see Peter, we see him standing up, boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus. And 3,000 people converted their lives, decided to follow Jesus in that day. He preached to the same religious leaders that he denied him to before. He was walking in forgiveness. He was walking in freedom, no longer denying the name of Jesus. And if God can use Peter, then he can certainly use you. If God can use Peter, he can use me. Because not only does God forgive, God restores. You're not too far gone. God wants you. And this is the invitation that God has given to each of you today, regardless of your past. He's saying, come follow me. Come follow me. Maybe you're new, and he's saying, come follow me. Maybe you've strayed in your path. Maybe you've tried deconstructing things. You've been sliding backwards a little bit, and he's saying, come follow me. Maybe you've been steady, but things are feeling a little dry, and he's saying to each of us today, come follow me. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now, and we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the restoration that you extended to Peter, even when he didn't deserve it. Oh, man, he didn't deserve that. He didn't deserve your trust, but you gave it to him. So, Lord, we come to you and we say we're sorry for denying you with our words and with our lives, with our actions. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus is your Lord, don't let another day go by. Jesus is saying to you now, he's saying, come follow me. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Then come follow me. And if that's where you are today, won't you call in the name of the Lord? Say, Jesus, you are my Lord. Wherever you are, whatever you're going through in your life right now, Jesus is begging you. He's pleading with you to follow him, to follow him closer. Maybe you've been following for a long time, but you know what? Sometimes when we're following for a long time, our eyes start to stray. They start to wander. We start to get distracted. And then we start wondering like Peter, can God still use me? And God is saying, come follow me. So Lord, we say to you now, we will follow you. We will follow you. No turning back. Please use us. We know that you use Peter and you can use us. We give ourselves to you. We put our trust in you. We put our hope in you. Please forgive us, Lord. Bring us healing. Bring us restoration in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can go and visit us at www.thrive.church. If you're ever in the area, we'd like to invite you to come and join us. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, we encourage you to leave a rating, review, share with your friends and family. Until next time, may you grow deeper in God's word each day.